his leave. As we heard from the beginning, uh, Ben mentioned that we've been working through... Life, it's a book by Rick Warren, if you haven't seen it. Uh, you can grab a copy out the back there and take it home with you if you like. Um, but as part of that, we thought uh, the end of that is about mission. What does it mean to uh, take the message of Jesus to the people around us? And so uh, this term, we're going to be spending the first few weeks as we hear Nicole talking about storying uh, and how we learn God's story to share his story into people's lives with our story. Uh, we're going to be thinking about how do we do that generally as well. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be thinking about what does the Bible talk to us about? How do we share what we believe? So we're going to be doing that over the next couple of weeks and uh, we're going to today be looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and we're going to be thinking through that together this morning. Uh, You might see that uh, we've looked at 1 Peter chapter 2 at the beginning of last year so we're going to sort of grab it together again and have a think a bit more through that. Uh, Peter's writing uh, the letter of 1 Peter to a group of people who've been spread out throughout a whole lot of nations. So Christians who come to know Jesus and love Jesus and have been sent out into all parts of, the, of uh, Asia Minor and he's writing a letter to them to encourage them. And he wants to encourage them because he says, first of all, he wants them to stand firm and hold on to what they believe, to know what they believe, but then to share what they believe. So that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning as we do that and thinking about what that looks like for you and I here in the world that we live in. Uh, so we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. And Betty's going to read that for us. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to open up and, and have a look at that because I'm going to mainly stick to those couple of verses uh, but also I'm going to jump you back just a little bit as well uh, in part of it. It will go on the screen but it's really good to have the Bible open in front of you as well. Sorry, Betty. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Fantastic, Betty. Always sounds better with a Scottish accent, doesn't it? It's a great passage. This this passage, it, it comes before this. If you jump back just one page, I just want to read something to you because this sets it in context uh, of why Peter has just said this to the people he's written to. If you've got your Bibles, just jump back to 1 Peter verse 3. Because this, uh, this is what he's saying who you and I are. Okay? It says, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade kept in heaven for you. That's a wonderful... If you want to know what it is uh, to know Jesus and believe in Jesus, that's a great little summary statement, isn't it? Uh, What it's saying to us that uh, when we put our trust in Jesus, when we believe and trust in Jesus and give our lives to him, uh, when we accept his great mercy for us, when we accept that his death on the cross has paid the penalty for everything that we've done wrong, 
When we believe that and hold on to that and trust in that, then when we accept that mercy, then we have an eternal hope here and now forever that we're going to be with him forever. It's a wonderful hope that we have, isn't it? That that is ours in Jesus, that there is no other way that we can have that. We can't earn it, we can't work for it, we can't get it in any other way except Jesus. He gives that to us. His death on his cross and his resurrection brings us into that relationship with him. And so when we get to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he then outlines how you and I have now been brought into this amazing new family and new community. Uh, I'm going to play you a quick clip on the screen, and you might have seen this. It's a clip for a movie that I reckon is a great movie and worth watching. But I'll leave you to have a look at it. Uh, hopefully you'll pick up within it the picture of someone who's been brought into a new family. Up and Adam. Sean Jr., you clean this room up before you come downstairs, you hear me? Okay, big smile. Chewy family. Let me get it, y'all. Everyone, thank your mother for driving to the store and getting this. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mama. He's been enrolled in seven different institutions, including a gap of 18 months around the age of 10, when he apparently didn't attend school at all. I tell you, most kids with his background wouldn't come within 200 miles of this place. Class, this is Mike Orr, and he's new here, so I expect you all to make him feel welcome. Hi. Smile It lets them know you're their friend. I'm sure. Who is that, Esther? Big Mike. What is he wearing? It's below freezing. You have any place to stay tonight? Don't you dare lie to me. Come on. Was this a bad idea? What's the big deal? It's just for one night. It is just for one night, right? Find some time to figure out another bedroom for you. This is mine? Yes, sir. Never had one before. Want a room to yourself? A bed. It's all really nice what you're doing, but don't be surprised if one day you wake up and he gone. Michael was here. Last night. Tell him to sleep with one hour. You threatened my son. You threatened me. Michael's grades have improved enough that he can go out for spring football in March. This team is your family, Michael. When you look at him, you think of me, how you have my back. Are you going to protect the family, Michael? Yes, ma'am. SJ, you're going to want to get this. Who's the big guy eating with your little brother? It's his big brother. I think what you're doing is so great. Sandra Bullock. Hey, you're changing that boy's life. No. He's changing mind. The Blind Side. I actually find it hard to watch that without crying. I've been, uh, you might have seen the clip. We have played it in the past. Uh, it, it's an amazing film. If you want to go and watch a film, it's worth watching. Uh, it'll challenge you on a whole realm of areas and especially challenge you on regards to 
taking on someone like that too. Uh, but part of the big story is that Michael, who is out, uh, he heard he's been in seven different schools, he had a really tough background, uh, actually gets brought into this family. Uh, he has nothing, he's actually sleeping on the street and in different places in a laundromat at one point in time. But they bring him in and take him and he becomes part of their family. And that's their family. It's a real life story. Michael Orr, there he is, and the Tui family, that's them. Uh, and they, uh, in the end, actually adopted Michael. They took him on and they adopted him. And he is now playing for the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens won this year's Super Bowl. So here's a Super Bowl ring. Uh, and he's still in the family. He's still part of the family. It's, a, it's an amazing story, isn't it, of uh, uh, looking at and seeing and uh, bringing someone in, uh, someone who you would never expect to be brought into a family. And the picture that we have in 1 Peter chapter 2 is of us who don't really deserve to be part of God's family, who in one sense have actually stuck our noses up as we did in the song, uh, said, God, look, you're okay, but you can stay out there. We don't really want you to be part of our lives. You might be good, you might be okay, but you stick out there. And in a sense, that's snubbing our noses at God. But God says, but I don't take that. And God steps in and in Jesus grabs us and makes us his home and brings us into his family and adopts us as his children. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And that's who we are when we put our trust in Jesus, that we've actually been brought into his family, and we now are a new community. How's that one for you? Uh, A new community. We've actually been brought into this new community, and that's what those first couple of uh, verses are telling us there. If you look at uh, verse 9, it says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Now, what Peter's doing there is he's actually wrapping a whole lot of terms that if you were a Jew, you'd be going, wow, all these terms that he's just used there are all the terms that he used of Israel in the Old Testament. They were a chosen people. They were a royal priesthood. They were a holy nation. They were belonging to God. It was a nation. They were his people and they were to be his people in the world. And now what he's saying to them is saying, it's now you. Everyone who trusts and believes in Jesus, you now are this. It used to be just Israel. It used to be just the nation, but now it's the whole world. You've been brought into this new community. You now have been chosen by God. He has actually picked you out and taken you and said, you are mine. You now are royal priesthood. You now are all priesthoods of all believers. You know, we don't need priests anymore. Because we now are priests ourselves. We actually can enter into the most holy place. A royal priesthood back in the Old Testament was someone who could actually go inside the Holy of Holies. That is, that you could actually go inside and meet God. And only the priest could do that. He's the only one that could enter into there. But now in Jesus, he has wiped out the curtain. Remember when Jesus died? There were a number of things that happened. And one of the big things that happened was the curtain, the divide of the temple, was split in two, ripped from top to bottom. It was a picture that now we have access directly to God through Jesus. We are now able to enter into that. He is our high priest and we are the royal priest. We're actually able to enter in and, and meet with God because of Jesus. That's huge. A holy nation. That is, we've been set apart. That You and I have actually been set apart to show how great God is. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But we've been made holy. We've been made right before God to live for God here and now. And we belong to God. 
we now are part of a new community with a new identity to live for God and to show how great God is. That's us. That's a picture of you and I. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, the picture of how good and great God was was to be the Israel, the nation. Now, they didn't do that too well a lot of the time, and sometimes we don't do it too well, but that's what they were supposed to be. Do you know that you and I now are to be a picture of how great God is? That you and I collective together, not just individually, but collective, are to be a picture of how good God is. Now, that's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Now, we're not going to do that well all the time, and we're not going to be perfect at that, that is our calling. That is what we are to be. That is why God has called us and made us part of his family, his community, to show how great he is. Because that's what verse 9 says, doesn't it? It goes on there, said, A holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And you notice that it's us together, that we have been called out to declare the praises of God, that we are being called out to shout out how good God is. That's what we're to be on about. That's what you and I are to do together, to be here to declare the praises of God together. Uh, I don't know whether you've read some of the Psalms. Some of the Psalms, uh, there's a wonderful one, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his name. Day after day they pour forth speech. How great is our God? Well, when you get to the New Testament, it's how great you are to declare how great God is. That you and I are to declare the marvellous deeds. That you and I are to show how great God is. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I walk out around the headland and I have a look out across there and, and you see the beautiful when it's blue and there's no rain around and it's blue, beautiful blue out there, you look out and you go, wow, that's amazing. And you go, wow, how good is God when you look at that? When you look at his creation. Do you know, we should be able to look at us here this morning and do exactly the same thing and go, wow, how good is God? Look at these people here. Now, you can't see everyone because you've got your heads looking at the back of people, but I can see all your faces. And that's what we should do when we see each other. We should praise God. How good is he because of all of you here? Isn't it wonderful to see you? Isn't it great to have you here? Like John said the other day when he came here for the first time in quite a few weeks and he said it was the greatest day ever because he was amongst people who love Jesus together and you can praise God together and together we are to shout how good God is and we are linked in doing that it's not just us individually but we are linked together in that it's us together we belong together to sing the praises of him go to the next slide I don't know whether you like slinkies but I like slinkies they're quite an amazing thing, aren't they? You know, you put a slinky down and it does nothing, but you put a slinky on a stair and it goes down the next one and then it goes to the next one and it goes... It just makes it way all the way down, doesn't it? And they all link together. You never, leave, you never see a slinky leave a bit of slinky behind, do you? Okay? A slinky always takes part of the slinky with him. It's always together. They're always linked. They're always together and they move together. I think that's a picture of us. That when we've come to know Jesus and we put our trust in him, we have been joined together as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, as a chosen people belonging to God. 
and that we're actually not just a slinky by ourselves, but we're in the slinky in the hands of God. He's got his hands around us. He holds us. He keeps us together and he wants us to move with him. And us as slinkies are not just to make sure that we look good together, but we're to say how good are those hands that hold us. We're to do that together. Not just by ourselves, but together. You see, being together, you've been brought into a community we trust in Jesus. Being brought into that community is not an optional extra for a Christian, for someone who follows Jesus. It's not, oh, I've become become a follower of Jesus and I'm just going to do my own thing. There is no idea of that in the New Testament. There's no idea of that in the Bible. When you become a follower of Jesus, then you've been brought into his family, into his community to belong together. There's no opt-out clause. I don't know whether you've been on a computer lately, but if you go on a computer and uh, you get a new program and you get it to the new program and you're about to install it, and it goes down, then it puts up this policy statement and it says, accept or decline. Now, if you decline, you don't get to use the program, do you? You've got to accept the policy and you get to use the program. Well, you and I, when we actually sign that we want to believe and trust in Jesus, when we give our life to him, there's no, oh, I can't accept or not accept all those other people who believe and trust in Jesus either. We're actually joined together. We're brought together as God's people here, as people belonging to him. And we are together to praise God. We are together to shout how good he is. We are together to show that by how we live. Look at what he says uh, in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, together we are to proclaim how good God is. And how do we do that? It's by not living the way that we used to live, that is for ourselves and wanting to do things just for our own pleasure, it's now to live such good lives that we live it to serve and love one another. That's what verse 12 says, doesn't it? Live such good lives. What are such good lives? What's he talking about there? Well, if you read the rest of chapter 2, you would see that it actually goes to explain what those such good lives look like. He goes to explain what that looks like in a slave situation because there was slavery at that time, so he explains what it looks like there. He then goes to explain what that looks like in a house between a husband and a wife. He then goes to explain what that looks like for children. And when you read through the rest of chapter 2, you will see that it's about loving submission. It's about serving one another. It's about seeking what is best for each other. That's what we're to do. When we come together to sing the praises of God, to say how good he is, is by the way that we show that we love and serve one another. Together. We flick up the next one. Actually, jump to the next one. It's that sense, isn't it, that it's a community thing, that together we are to show what it looks like. You see, the way that we show how good God is and how much he is is by the way that we together show that to those that are around us, the way that we connect with one another, the way we show that in our community. We are to be out in our community showing that love together. And one example is our uh, Serve the Community Day that's coming up very shortly on, on August the 18th. 
is just one little glimpse of how we might do that. Is together we're going to go out and we're going to say that it's not just about what we do here on Sunday morning, it's about being out there and serving those around us and showing the people around us that we love them and we love them because God loves us and we want to show God's love to them. That's what August the 18th is about, but it's not about just doing that on August the 18th, is it? August the 18th is one day. This says to live such good lives every day in everything that we do, wherever we are, that we are to do that together in every opportunity that God puts before us at any time. Uh, Benny, a couple of weeks ago, spoke to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, within that, we thought about, well, how do we do that? How do we live such good lives out amongst the world so that they will say, how good is God? Well, there's a whole lot of ways you can do that, isn't it? But Benny came up and uh, he had seven that he put out there for us to think about how we could do that. I'm going to put them up on the screen together. Because sometimes I think when we think about how do we, how do we show how great God is to the community, we think, well, somehow I have to have everything sorted out theologically. I've got to get everything nutted out. Well, maybe I've got to make sure I've got it all worked out. Or sometimes I think, well, I can't tell everyone. I don't know how to speak it all the time. I don't have everything worked out. I don't exactly know how to explain it well. But when we read this, it shows that we have to do that in our actions in the way that we love one another and serve one another and we'll get opportunities within that to share that. And we may not have to be able to tell everyone everything, but we can just share a little bit with them, can't we? So how do we do that? How can we do that in our everyday life? Well, let's flick up and see what uh, we can do. Have a think about this. Rather than thinking about stuff that's going on around you, don't add activities to your life. Think, oh, well... How can I show how great God is? Well, I need to add this, I need to do that, I need to go to that. I need to... Don't add activities, add people. Just bring people into your life. Share your life with people. Because we should be living for God every day and showing what he's like in every day. And if they come and see that in their lives, they might start to say, well, why do they live that way? How come that's the case? So don't add activities, add people. Invite someone to have a meal with you once a week. I don't know about you, sometimes that's scary, isn't it? Uh, let me give you an example of what happened this week. Uh, during this week, someone gave us a, a quick text and said, how about you come over for dinner on Tuesday night, just bring whatever you have, come over and we'll eat it together. Now, we couldn't make it Tuesday night and then we said we'll try another night in the week. Well, Thursday at four o'clock, we decided that we did have some time. So we just text them, uh, actually rang them and said, okay, we've got, uh, well, I didn't make it, but Karina made a... Uh, what was it? Something? A shepherd's pie is great too. I remember it so well. Uh, it was a shepherd's pie. It was a shepherd's pie. Uh, and, it was, and it was a big shepherd's pie. And so we said, we've got a shepherd's pie. They said, well, we've got a few veggies. Just threw it together, sat down at the table. Very simple. And we had a meal together. It doesn't have to be hard. Sometimes when we think we're going to have people over for meals, we think, oh man, I've got to plan it. I've got to think about it. Man, the house has got to be really neat and tidy. Oh, it's not neat and tidy. No one can come over. Oh, I don't have anything in there. I've got, to, I've got to cook the best meal because someone's got to come over. I've got to show them how good I can cook. No, it's not about that. Though Karina's cooking was fantastic. Uh, it's not about that. It's just invite people over. Just share it, open it up. Buy a chook down the street. Bring it up. Cut it up, bit of bread. Just spend time with one another. Invite people over. Sit out the front of your house. Have you ever thought of doing that? Uh, we've become 
I don't know, we're, I'm not sure we're quite as bad as the Americans, but they tell me that in America what happens is, uh, because we've got all automatic doors these days on our garages, uh, and we have our fronts all nice and neat, and it's all walled off, and it's all sectioned off in here, you've got to have really high uh, fences all around so that you can be in your own little backyard and your own little world. Well, I think that's not helpful, is it, really? That doesn't develop community, does it? How about you sit out the front of your house? How about you set up chairs out the... Well, maybe not in the front of Karen and Dave's place. Uh, how about you sit out the front of your house, open up your garage, sit out there, see who walks past and have a chat to them. Do you remember the old days? That's what we used to have, didn't we? We used to have verandas at the front of our houses and you used to have chairs sitting out the front of your houses because you'd invite people to come and have a chat. It's a good option, wasn't it? How about we think about doing that? Join a club. There's enough clubs in Evans Head to join as many as you like. There's heaps of them. Uh, be regular where you shop. Have you ever thought about that? Go to the same butcher. Go to the same service station. Start getting to know the people who are behind there. Go to Mick Medcalf's and you can't get out of there because they want to tell you everything that's going on in the world around you. Go, go to the servo guy here. Have a chat to him. He's a really friendly fellow. Just go up and have a chat to him. Talk to him. Share life with him. Share your life with them. Uh, often the guys down here at, at Metcalf's, not it's just for them, there's other butchers in town, by the way, you can sh- go to them. Uh, but when they go there, they say, what's new, Paul? Now, I've been thinking, I've got to come up with a good answer for that, don't I? What's new, Paul? Wow, it's been great this week. I really enjoyed the time I shared with some people on Tuesday night where we learnt how good Jesus was. Now, that'd throw them, wouldn't it? <laughs> I might try that one day. Uh, serve your neighbours. Have you ever thought that? When you've looked around your community, looked around the people around you, have you ever seen someone who actually just needs a hand? Maybe their lawn's got too long lately. Maybe there's something out the front that just needs to be fixed. Share and go and share your life with them. Uh, participate in community events. Next year we're going to hopefully be involved in the Reef Meets Beef. We've decided that, that we think that's a great option. That's one of the big things that happens in town. So what about we get involved with it? Uh, be part of the community. We're a big part of this Evanston community. Let's show that we are part of it. Be involved in community events. And I think the last one, clean up your neighbour's yard together. And one of the things that you noticed in that first clip was that there was a group of people doing it. How about we think about that? So if you see someone who needs help, what about you ring up someone down the road who you know and say, hey, how about we go across and help out those people there together? Do it together. Share it together. Uh... That's just a little quote that's not mine. It says, don't make the mistake of making being missional another addition to your schedule. Make your existing schedule missional. By what I mean is, make what you're doing already something where you want to share life with people. As you share life with people, then you get opportunity to share your life with them. And when you've learnt what Nicole has taught us in the next five weeks on Tuesday night, you're about to share what God's story is about. Within that, one of the things is that we're trying to share our life with people. We want to share, learn about their story, be able to share our story and show how God's story brings that all together. That's what we want to be doing. If we're going to be showing that in the way that we love our community, then we're going to be shouting how great our God is. I'm going to show a clip. Uh, this is for a church called Bethel Church in America. But I think it's a good thing for us to be thinking they do a good job of actually... Uh, representing what it means to be a church that's seeking to serve their community and love their community so that the community says how good God is and comes to know our God.
This is the missional church. Simple. In the past, North American churches have spent large amounts of resources to construct the most attractive places imaginable for the community in which they were situated. The goal was to offer great music, compelling teaching, and a host of programs for the purpose of gathering communities together. Anyone who wanted to come was welcome, and church members were encouraged to invite their friends and neighbors. Generally, people had a pleasant experience. The people who came and were cared for seemed relatively similar. Education, income, pastimes, race, struggles, and histories seemed to be almost identical. Eventually, someone asked the question, what about all the people who aren't like us, but who live around us? Why aren't they here too? In response, many North American churches increased their marketing budget, started direct mail in the community, and took out ads in local papers. They also bought radio time, released a fresh web page, and offered to host the world's greatest event. The gathered church was determined to attract and stir up new interest in a culture that was increasingly backing out of regular church attendance. Church members relied on the church to do the work of conveying God's story in the world. If someone could be brought to an event, they could hear about Jesus from an ordained pastor. Inviting people became synonymous with evangelism. Having a healthy gathered church with effective small groups, children, youth, and Sunday morning ministries is essential. However, there is more that Jesus wants us to embrace when it comes to impacting our city, our nation, and our world. The missional church, on the other hand, scatters its members to be the church in the community 24-7. The church trains, resources, encourages, and challenges its people to live out the good news in their community by growing in acts of service. Hmm, ever heard that before? Let's face it, there are a number of people who are suspicious of the church and its marketing efforts. However, the missional church sends out its members to live among people unfamiliar with church customs, songs, and what it holds sacred, just like a foreign missionary. The missional church recognizes then that every believer embodies the life of the church in their neighborhood, in their school, their place of work, each one of them telling God's story in the context of compassionate and genuine relationships. Bethel wants to be a missional church, both gathered and scattered. Responding to the heart of God, transforming the heart of the city, the nation, and the world. It's that simple. That's Bethel. That's the church that they're talking about. But that's where we've been heading. Uh, that's what we want to be. We want to be a place where people are welcome here, but we want to be sent. We want to be out amongst our community because that's what we've been called to do, to seek to see people come to know Jesus who don't just want to walk in here. We want to do that by the way that we love them and show them, and together we do that by showing how great God is by the way that we love each other and the way that we love them. Have a think about it. 
Uh, we're going to be thinking about that over the, the next five weeks as we think more about what, it's been, what we've been called to because we have been called by God. We are a new community. Uh, we've been called together to declare the praises of God, to proclaim how great he is uh, with poetry and light to say that people say, I want what they got. Uh, let me tell you a little story to finish off with. Uh, there was a, there's a, a film called Bobby and it's a story about how um, uh, Robert Kennedy's assassination uh, and it's a film about that and in the film uh, there's a whole lot of things that go on but it's a whole lot about racial tension because there's a whole lot of stuff happening about that time. Uh, different groups getting on and, and a whole lot of tension happening in America at that point in time. And one of the scenes is really quite interesting. Uh, there's one scene where they're in a restaurant and there's this guy by, uh, who's a black chef called Edward Robinson. And he's played by Lawrence Fishbone, if you know who he is. And he's arguing with a Mexican waiter named Miguel. As the staff eat uh, the meal together in the kitchen, Miguel's getting really, really upset that Edward, the chef, uh, just doesn't seem to be doing anything about the prejudices that they're facing around them. He can't understand why he's so laid back and compliant and why he's just going on and living and doing what he is and, and how he's living it. And this is what the chef says. This is what he responds. He says, you know your problem, kid. You've got no poetry. You've got no light. You've got no one looking at you and saying, man, look at that Miguel. I want what he's got. Man, look at that Miguel. I want what he's got. You see, that's a challenge for us, isn't it? We've been called... We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, brought together to declare the praises of God, to proclaim how great God is, to live such good lives that people around of us want to say, man, I want what that person's got. Let's pray that we can be like that in the world around us. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we challenge, we want to firstly say thank you, Lord, Thank you that you've called us and brought us uh, to be your new community here in this place where you put us, Lord. We thank you that you've done that through your son, Jesus, that you've brought us into your community through him. And we want to praise you, Lord, for that. We want to be people that together uh, proclaim how great you are, that together we live and show how great you are, Lord, in the community around us. Lord, help us to live such good lives that people around us will praise you. May we continually be pointing people to how good you are in what we say, in how we live, how we respond, Lord, in the way that we show you around us. Help us with it, Lord. We can't do that by ourselves. Uh, we need each other. But more importantly, we need you, Lord. And we need your spirit to do a mighty work within us so that people, when they do look at us together, Lord, say, man, we want what they've got. Let's pray that that will be the case. In Jesus' name, amen.